1: They won't see you, mate, because it's a podcast.
0: (laughs) Episode (laughs) two hundred and twenty two, I think, of of Twenty Minute Tim's. Welcome. I am your host, Stephen, and with me, as always, is my podcasting wife, your friend and mine, it's Martin Melly. Yes, here. No Jamie this week, um, we are we are but a, a twosome here. But in fairness, we, the guy podcasts about four times a week, so it's, he's
1: due about annual leave. Yeah, well, just like Neil Lennon Celtic, we don't have that focal point up front, do exactly, we? Well, exactly, exactly. We'll, he could be a vocal point, couldn't he? We we'll <laughs> just need to work with him.
0: I like what you did there. Melly, what we usually do, to give the listeners a peek behind the curtain here... We have many podcasts under the 20 Minute Tim's banner, this being the, 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 the flagship as it's become become known. Amazing that we've got away with that, calling something the flagship and copped very little flack about it. <laughs> but that's the name of it. That's how it stands. What we would normally do is we have reaction podcasts over on Patreon.com, patreon.com slash 20 Minute Tim's, where we get to the mics immediately after the final whistles to talk about the game. So that's really just the... The podcast on which we give our immediate views, whether they're positive, negative, well a bit, bit of both. This week we'll we'll find out as we go forward. But what we'd normally do is we'll give our thoughts right away and by the time the Monday flagship rolls around, we might take the opportunity to take on a different view, use more information or data to either support what we said on the the reaction broadcast, or maybe even refute altogether. I, I said quite recently that I completely changed my mind on Ryan Christie's performance in a certain game. However, doing that in this case would probably feel a bit disingenuous because, to be perfectly honest, I don't really care how many shots we had or the possession stats from the Ferenc Vardas game. The reality of it is whether we're reacting immediately after the game or we've had a few days to to let it sink in the game is still an abject failure. There's no getting around about it, so I don't really want to come here with, well, well, you know, the game wasn't actually that bad because, you know, if we look into the half spaces, we actually improved and we dominated it. None of it matters at all because no. the end result is, is what
1: we're left with. No, yesterday after the Motherwell game, I thought, right, I felt better. It was the first time in yeah. days that I wasn't blood red mad as Jamie would say, <laughs> but I went and I sat down and I put Celtic TV on and I started the to watch the Ferencváros game again, and I got to the lineups and I thought right okay I can do this I can do this I got to the goal and I had to turn it off I was going to try and dissect didn't, it see what it went wrong, long. and I couldn't do it I was like this is pitiful man six minutes and we're behind the lineup pissed me off so much as well and it just. It brought back all those memories from days before. I think I had PTSD after that game. <laughs> and even in the reaction podcast, I don't feel we were angry enough. We should have been angry. No. We, we have to try and keep a cool head because we don't want to be ranting and shouting over each other. But the next day, the day after that, even Saturday, i my- what were we doing, man? It's just, And uh, then it just goes and you think about everything, you think who's to blame, and you just come back with everyone at the club is to blame.
0: Nah, well, I said on the Reaction podcast that it felt very different to the Clues game because the running joke since then is about how I ran all the way from Celtic Park to Deniston so I could take part in the melee at the Match podcast and, and spew my opinions all over the place. But but after the Ferenc Farrows game, I was just numb, just totally deflated. And yep. it was, I mean, we spoke for 50 minutes after the <laughs> game. more than that, 55 minutes almost on the one game and basically Going for 55. the entire club. <laughs> uh, but it it was, you're right, we weren't angry enough. We were very, very angry, but the delivery of it was one of just deflation, just complete and utter numbness. We couldn't really process it at all. So what we did was broke down the entire club from, to- <laughs> from top to bottom and bas- basically aired our grievances about the lot of it. You mentioned the lineup there. Now, this has been a source of much debate ever since and before the kick-off as well. Sergei Sergei Rebrov, uh, good to hear the name, uh, Spurs and Ukraine legend. The opposition managed on this occasion and hearing him speak after the game was quite interesting. He basically said that he couldn't believe his luck, that Celtic didn't play a striker. Now, I'm, I'm paraphrasing there, but that was essentially his point. Didn't play a striker, he thought, bonus, and the game played out the way it did. So that leads us on to talk about the lineup as a whole. A couple of surprises in there. We knew Edward probably wasn't going to make it. So then the debate became over, oh, can you possibly throw Clamalla into this? Is a Yeti fit yet? Because he's played a couple of games, played against Reykjavik and the United, but only for 15, 20 minutes at a time, really. So what were the options? Was it going to be El Yunusi up front? Was it, there, there were many things we could possibly do, but what we ended up with was Christie playing as a, quote, false nine and... It didn't work. <laughs> that, that seems very broad to say that, but the reason I say it didn't work is because you know there, there are many things you can do with without a striker. You don't need a number nine in there, but what you ultimately do need, and this is probably going to take in a bit of the motherwell chat as well, what you do need is someone who is going to occupy the sp- the spaces that a striker would, or and make the runs and hold up the ball on occasion. After the game, the the average positions came out, and it turned out that Incham and Christie had basically played as a concentric circle in the middle. Yeah. They were holding hands the entire game. So, what were your thoughts when you saw the lineup, and what what did you think of Celtic's approach to it?
1: No, when I saw the lineup, I thought, look, why is there a guy that Neil Lennon has bought in January, and mm-hmm. people say, oh, it's a low signing. Whoever signed him, Neil Lennon signed off on it, and he brought him in, and he's not played him in January or onwards he's barely played then he comes in he gets bigged up in pre-season he's bulked up we've seen a lot of interviews with him hearing all this this stuff about how he's doing well and Neil Lennon comes out and says he's not match fit but you've had matches to select him in so why is he not match fit if he's you said it on Wednesday night if he's not good enough to play in the second qualifying round of the Champions League why is he even on the bench no, because what was the use of them? Again, it's just. But as I looked at the the lineup, I thought, do you know what? It's the second round. We should be good enough to beat this team. We should be. And look, we we were the we do we sort of dominated, created chances. But the only thing we were missing was somebody to put them away. And we yeah, seen it in yeah. the Motherwell game. First half was pretty poor, but then as soon as we put Clamal on. And I don't think he's a good player in the slightest. He's not the answer. But he gave them something to think about. He was yeah. stretching their defence. He was making runs which opened space for other people. And as you said, Christie kept dropping deep. Now, it's fine playing a false nine if your false nine's a guy look messy. But with that formation, we just ended yeah. up an absolute mess because yeah. there was nobody in there. They just had to sit in front of us and just watch us play with the two wide players and chairman Christie trying to just play around them. There was nobody making those runs in behind, nobody dragging defenders and it was easy to defend against ultimately for them. On Clamalla's
0: introduction against Motherwell, we'll talk a wee bit about the Motherwell game later on of course because it deserves its own segment but it it is relevant to this game because when Clamalla come on, you're you're absolutely right, I don't think he's very good. I, I hate to completely write off a player at this stage but I think with the noises that Neil Lennon is making about it, with not playing him with talking about how he's not up to speed yet he's not match fit he's a work in progress I just um, my heart sinks when I hear about this like project pattern and I'm just like it's never going to work out you're just going to follow by you at the door in probably six months time yeah. maybe the end of the season possibly but when Klamala come on against Motherwell as much as even if he's not a good enough player to, to be scoring goals for Celtic he's occupying the spaces that I mentioned he is making the right runs and popping up In spaces that are the width of the goal, in the 6-yard box, in the 18-yard box even. He's making the right kind of runs, even if he's not getting on the end of things. And things completely changed from that point on. It was like Celtic were a completely different team, having introduced a not-that-good striker,
1: purely because he knows where to be. Yeah, we've, we've seen it last year when Lewis Morgan was up front. He wasn't very good, and that's not his fault. It wasn't his position. It's not Ryan Christie's position naturally Ryan Christie going to drop and get involved in the play because that's what he does. If you're asking him to do a game where he has to stretch it and make runs in behind, he's not used to that. And no. um, it just meant, I think with El Hamid playing, he sort of sat a bit deeper and sat in the defence as a defensive three, the same as in Motherwell, which meant Forrest was the width on the right-hand side. But if you're doing that, if you're playing a false nine, the two wide players have to tuck in and get close to him and there has to yeah. be runs off. But if Forrest is the width from the right hand side, that completely takes him away from that. So it's just another person that they don't need to mark. There's, all they need to do is stand in front, make sure they've got Forrest marked up, Elianoussi as well, and Christian and Cham drop deep and they're sitting there that the amount of long-range shots we had was ridiculous, the amount mm. of times we got to the bye lane, cut it back, and there was nobody there. Ball was going across the box, and there was nobody there to finish it. Well, as you, as you say, when you tried to watch it back, didn't have to wait
0: long until no. Ferencvaros capitalised on this. They, they had scored within, what was it, six minutes, you said there. Uh, Celtic had defended the corner reasonably well, but at the second phase of things, we're a complete and utter disaster. The, we've all seen the stills that were doing the rounds of it was a five Celtic players yeah. who were all within a yard of each other. They all could the joint hands and run run out in a weekend of daisy chain, um, <laughs> but it, the shape was a piece of nonsense. It would be easy to point to Scott Brown there and say that he should have been out quicker, but the problem is he had about three men to mark at the same time and had to make a decision by that time. By that point, it was too late. The guy, Seager, he seemed to have all the time in the world to pick his spot. A good finish, ultimately, but all the time in the world to balance himself and smash it into the bottom corner. Unforgivably poor shape from a team that are... Far more expensive, far more storied, far more everything. Celtic seemed to have every advantage going over a team like Finnish Varus. Finnish Varus, uh, I use the the old European banana skin cliche, name mugs at the end no. of the day, but they weren't a great team either. There's no way that Celtic should have been posed the amount of problems they did, and certainly not from the basics, the basics of a corner and a long shot.
1: Yeah, it was, it was shocking. He spoke about the shape, but in reality there just was no shape and no. after that w- we crumbled as well we were all over the place we were loose passes this team that's so-called Champions league team we couldn't string passes together there was it was all over the place we we didn't look like a very well coached team and fair and Vargas, they did they did and it was just yeah. it was why they were, they were why they were able to sit in why they had a look like they had a plan Celtic didn't we were all over the place it, it was just it was a shambles and it just added to it that the fact I'd only got to turn on the game a couple of minutes before the goal because the pass to paradise wasn't working properly. (laughs) Then you sit down, it finally works and then they let in a goal. These goals, every single time we concede a goal in Europe in these games, they're all so avoidable. That's the problem. El Hamid's got to do better before the corner and then from the corner. It's it's basic schoolboy stuff, Everybody just ball watching and you've got all the space in the world for this guy to hit a shot. Good shot. I know it's one of those ones where he could hit it another nine times and it might not go in. But the fact of the matter is, he had so much time he hit it. He's a professional footballer. It's in the back of the net. It's, yeah. It was an absolute shambles. And after that, we, we didn't really get control of the game till nearly the, the end of the first half. There were
0: some chances in the first half. Uh, Christine and Cham both went reasonably close from distance. Elginousi had one where he cut in off the left and bought himself some space for a shot back again pulled it wide. But these are all long-range things. They were all long-range. Yes. Long the keeper mainly had them covered as well. The, all of them shared in common. There was that wee moment where you think, from the camera angle oh that's crept in that's that's going to keep in but it turned out it just kind of rolled around the the back of the net but any chances that Celtic are creating you're you're absolutely right they've got no one no one on the end of them no one in the six yard box no one taking up their right positions to get on the end of these things so they are limited to long range shots and it just seems like I can't really fathom why Celtic end up in a situation where they're having to rely on low percentage efforts on goal, such as long shots against Ferencvaros. And uh, again, I have to point out that this is the second qualifying round in Europe. The thing we're doing like uh, a once weekly Monday podcast is that things have kind of changed since then, but we really need to talk about that because the damage is done. The Motherwell game does not make up for it because we got back to winning ways and got three points on the board. The damage of the, Champions League exit Is completely done So there, there really isn't Any rescue in that Whether you go out And beat Motherwell Handily or not So that, that's why we're, we're kind of forced To go back and talk About this Because the ramifications The potential repercussions Of going out of the Champions League At that Pathetically early stage Could be felt Far and wide When you talk about Transfers It's a lot easier To talk decent players To come to the club If you've got Champions League football Or at least the potential Of Champions yeah. League football On the horizon it's a lot easier to hang on to your big players if the same again if you've got the potential of Champions League. But we don't have either of those things now. So uh, Celtic have once again gone out and made it very very difficult for themselves in just a crushingly early stage of the season. It's not even as if we got to the qualify or the the playoff and faced a a decent team where you think where well, it's fifty fifty. This is you know Celtic might be in a position to go out here this is a team they should have absolutely they should have absolutely murdered
1: it's a complete failure from top to bottom at the club management got the tactics wrong didn't change yeah. it early enough waited too late players simple basic errors again defensive errors even attacking errors not doing it playing guys that shouldn't be playing and the board as well going into these games unprepared the defensive errors Jozo simonovic left at the start of june We've needed a centre-back since then. Bowling goalie hasn't played since last season because he's not good enough. We needed a left-back. We don't have it. It's the same every single season. The problem with this game was it's a one-off game. You can have a bad game. But this wasn't a surprise. This isn't a surprise anymore that Celtic go out. And it's now, as you said, the second round. Looking at that squad, we had another level to go up for the next round and then another level after that. Would we have qualified on that basis? No, we'd be nowhere near it. And I was really, look, going into these qualifying, one-round games, a home game against a Hungarian team, no disrespect to them, but we should be winning that game. We should be. And then the ramifications, as you said, player sales, trying to entice players to come and stay. What about Rangers and Celtic now? Celtic had the chance to be playing Tuesday, Wednesday, Saturday, and then Rangers would be playing Sunday. We're going to be a catch-up yeah. for the rest of the year, probably. That was a chance for us to have a decent fixture schedule where we've got the Saturday games and we can win before them because it feels like this season... We'd always playing in the Sunday and it's always catch up, but we'd a chance to be doing that. It's not a massive thing, but it would have made it, it could have made a difference. Marginal gains, marginal yeah, gains, you're yeah, And it's right. again, it's the prestige of in the Champions League. There's nothing better than that Champions League music. And you're at right, people saying, are Celtic a Champions League club? No, they're not. They're f- no. a long, long way off it. No, they're a Champions League club in
0: in potential but certainly not in ability at the moment and yeah we can talk about like the the fan base and all that but ultimately that's no that's no counted for anything in this we we had to go out on the pitch and and beat a hungarian team and that was that was failed that test was failed so you can have the debate over being a champions league club but it doesn't matter because we're not in the competition and to me the only definition of a champions league club is to, to actually qualify for the thing so I, yeah. I know Celtic have done well in the past in it, but it's no consolation waking up the next day and saying, oh, look, we're a Champions League club and we've just, no, no, no. Like, and that's not going to get you
1: past these qualifiers. Four times in 10 years, we've had a free run at it. We're seeded every round for those those qualifiers. Yeah. And four times in 10 years, we've not had to play them up against a team that we've got a bigger budget than us. Have we ever been beaten by a team and you thought they were a better team than us? They're not like Maribou, Malmo, Cluj. The list goes on and on. As I said, it's no surprise anymore. So what are we doing differently? We're just going into it every season with the same problems and not changing it. If you're a Champions League club, you're prepared for these games. We're not fail to prepare, prepare to fail. Mm. It's that simple. And we do it every season. We're not ready for these games. But in saying that, those players on the pitch should be able to beat that team even oh, without yeah. their best player and that management team should be able to say this isn't working or when we're on top after we get the equaliser oh, we've lost a wee bit of momentum here where we're on top but we didn't get the goal we need to maybe change something give them something different to think about but to wait in a qualifying game until the 77th minute when we were behind to even make a substitution was absolutely criminal to me
0: Right, these, these qualifiers and what feeds back into the chat about the lineup as well is that there's a pattern emerging here in that I think Neil Lennon is maybe guilty of sometimes trying too hard to get as many of what he deems as the best players into the team at a time. So, what we saw against Cluj was uh, Callum McGregor at left back, yeah, we saw ridiculous. Christopher Eyer at right back against Copenhagen, and this time we've seen Christie up front. To me, there's very little merit in getting as many, many good players onto the pitch as possible because anyone can do that. You don't need a manager to do that. I could pick Celtic's best 10 outfield players and try and cobble together a formation out of it. What counts here is trying to have a cohesive plan and system. And if that fails, a plan B. Those are the things that are letting Celtic down at the moment. It's not having the better players because on the better players... We can talk about not having a striker, which I think obviously if played into things we could have been doing with someone in that position. But we are fond of talking about how you know English players are are overrated. They're, they're worth you know they go for too much money and all that. That, that. That's fine. I'm not going to disagree with that. But at the same time, we are sitting here claiming that Christopher Ayers worth twenty million pounds, and I don't mean to single him out. I don't think he was the main problem. Far from it. The main problem on the night. But yep. twenty million pounds seven and a half. We've got a seven six million pound keeper. Three million at left back. you are getting Cham potentially going for 20 million pounds. Christie probably be looking at 15 to 20 million pounds. <laughs> what were Ferenc Varos worth? It's yeah, I know. A couple hundred pounds there. Record, yeah. you could get their entire team for probably what you would pay for Christopher Julian. Realistically, that's crazy. I know it's a one off game and things you know, things can happen. But you know, that's kind of that's football sometimes. Yeah, yeah. there are. Yeah that's probably what makes football so great is that these shocks can can happen on occasion but the problem with that is that well, yeah exactly the problem i have is it it's a pattern emerging rather than it being a, a 5000 to 1 upset or something like that that just it's not the case we've seen it so many times over the years and it's it's just, it's just very frustrating because it doesn't have to be like this for Celtic they they've, they've got all the advantages in these things and once again have fallen it not quite the first hurdle, but the the second, and it's worrying for the future because I, I deliberately avoided Twitter the day after it because I thought what I'm going to, what's going to happen here is I'm going to go online and the first comment I'm going to see is ah, it doesn't matter we can go out again Europe. it's all about the ten and I was yeah. just going to bust into flames and think right this is I'm going to I'm going to come away hating <laughs> hating everything I've read because I'm sorry I don't buy into that at all no. it's, that's a very small time attitude to take of course we're all mad for this like 10 euro fever right of course it's got to be huge and all that and a, a huge amount of focus will and should be on it but it can't be the only focus because you know, we're trying to spin plates here if one of the, if the European thing falls over we've already spoken about it we've talked, we've talked about the, the difficulty in recruitment we've talked about the difficulty in holding onto players if you go out of Europe Oddsson-Edouard is a Champions League player and yeah. we're basically hoping upon hope that we can talk
1: him in to stay in to That's because... three years in a row he's been in the in the team yeah. and we haven't been able to qualify. He has missed him through injuries. I think he made, maybe made a one appearance in Rogers last season the Champions League. But I understand the 10 is massive. I want it. Everybody wants it. It will be yeah. absolute history. But see if your team is good enough to qualify for the Champions League. They're going to win the league, but we're <laughs> yeah. not. And then it has a knock-on effect on everything because then you've got players maybe thinking... Oh, do I really want to go into Europa League, which we still have to play two qualifiers to get into, by the way, so it's not guaranteed we'll be in Europe this year. If we go out of Europe, do you think for one second these players are going to go, do you know what, playing in Scotland for the full season, that's right up my street? No, because no. We, we sell the dream to players, come to us, play Champions League football, put yourself out there and then move on. But again, it's just that thing where oh no, have we got to qualify for the Champions League as if it's a shock that we have to play these <laughs> games and we're not ready for it. We don't bring in the players. Again, last season, go out to the Champions League, bring in Elie Nussi Foster. foster Would have qualified if we had those players? This yeah. time we go out, we sign Turnbull the next day, we're in talks with Shane Duffy. If these players had been in two weeks ago, we'd be in the Champions League. Still, it just it's utter madness the way we go about our business. If a Yeti had been in, no, if, if my... He had balls, he should be
0: my uncle, and all. I understand the, the Yeti the one
1: because he's not fit, and he was Lennon's yeah. number one target. I can
0: understand that, but then well, what? What I was going to say is that Yeti probably could have been signed earlier. But the thing with that is that was as we previously discussed, he had taken a little bit more time to discuss his future. Yeah. So I don't want to have a, a go at the club too much for that because he, you know, rightly or wrongly, decided to take a couple of weeks to to mull it over, which is entirely his prerogative. So that there has been a few sort of oh, he, he should have been signed weeks ago. It's not always as easy as that, but the likes of Turnbull and Delphino, that could have been done. That, that yeah. surely
1: could have been tied up. It's the the whole Klamala thing as well, going back to you. Just play him because, well, do you know what? People don't know if he's crap. The first, and yeah. Celtic make a mug of me every time because I try and be positive, but I've seen him play for a reserve game And he was shocking. He scored, but he contributed nothing to the game. He didn't look any better than the 21 other players that were there at reserve level. And I thought, he's not going to cut it. But he puts on a bit of weight, he shaves his skull, and I think, oh, he's right into it. And (laughs) they duped me into thinking being Mr (laughs) Positive again. The guy's not good enough. And if your manager's not going to pick you, what's the point? But again, going back to it, the guy signed him. And then he's not got him up to speed in pre season to be able to play in the biggest games we have. The, the whole thing is fundamentally all wrong at Celtic. From again top to bottom, we are not. we're Celtic strategy? Like we're going out, going to go out and sign, mm. try and sign Shane Duffy, brilliant, good player. Love bringing good players in. But the whole time in lockdown, you're not telling me that Celtic identified Shane Duffy and said that's the guy for us. It's only because he's become available and he's a Celtic fan. We haven't identified this guy. Yeah. So who have we identified to come in to replace Joseph Savonovic or come in who's better than I and Julian? Crying out for that. Nowhere to be seen. Going into these games underprepared all the time. See, with Klamala, I, I totally agree. I've all
0: but made my mind up about him as well, but it's an unsatisfying making my mind up because I'd rather see him play a handful of times and Just make up my mind and think, Well, he's terrible, he's yeah. clearly not got it. Rather than have this weird match fitness mystery hanging over him, I don't believe that for a single second, by the way, because he's he's clearly fit. He's been with yeah. the club since January, he's been training, he's had a full pre season. I don't believe for a single second he's not fit enough to, to play football. I can believe he's not good enough. And if you want to tell me that, Neil Lennon, then absolutely do so. I'll and I'll, I'll shut up about it, basically. I'll just, not just give him an up. hour,
1: then bring on a yeti. Yeah, it it wasn't working so he's not the best player but it's not as if he does not try he puts his wee heart into it he's just not good enough put him up there a focal point something to create space for other players but we were so passive so obvious to play against that they just sat in I mean they got the goal we got the equalising goal which was a decent goal but after that we were on top but there was barely a chance you thought apart from Cham hitting the bar that was it that was the chance after that, yeah. it started to lull, and you like, change it, change it because we need an injection or something. Players will be getting tired. The other team will be getting tired. One wee run could set the, set something off, but to just leave it and be so stubborn about it was crazy, in my opinion. You mentioned the goal. Obviously, Celtic did get equalised, and it was a lovely goal. So a nice yeah. patient build up. See,
0: um, Celtic moved the ball across the box, and Christie finishes. A bit of a deflection. A lot of people pointing to the fact that you know. The decision to play him up front was vindicated by the fact he scored, but it's not quite as simple as that. Yeah, he he didn't, scored not a as end of, end position. It, exactly it's not as if he, he got on the end of a chance and smashed one home for the inside the six yard box. That's not really what happened. He did score, but not from the the position we'd expect him in. There were more chances and challenges. He rattled the bar again. I I came on here not really wanting to focus on the the chances we, we created because I don't. I think it's an afterthought to be perfectly yeah. honest. I think I think they're irrelevant. Yes, you can point to the fact that on any other day, Celtic would have maybe comfortably won because of the, the chances we're talking about here, but at the same time, it doesn't matter because I, I feel that there are bigger issues at play here and, and it's, definitely. it's it's fundamental failures within the club that have led to, to this point. Everything you've already mentioned for me is a much more pressing concern than in Cham having hit the bar.
1: We'll see on that, this is, this is my whole problem with Celtic over the years and leading up to this game we are one injury away take one player out of our team mm. and it messes up everything doesn't it? Like when you see yeah. Edward comes out we have to put our best number 10 up front that changes we have to bring in James Forrest who hasn't been playing well and stick him in if James Forrest goes out we have to move our number 10 out wide and move somebody yeah. there what happens if Greg Taylor gets injured? We've seen it at the weekend. Greg Taylor's not playing well. We have to put James Forrest over left wing back. What happens if Elianoussi gets injured? There's nobody there. We have got a massive squad with substandard players. That have no, 13
0: players. No, we've yeah, got 13 useful the players. Jump,
1: yeah. or the, the drop from our good players to our bench players is stark. And that was that was just born out on Wednesday night because he only brought one of them on, didn't he? Yeah. He, he didn't make substitutions till it was too late the last throw the dice and even then you're chasing a goal you need a goal he leaves a striker on the bench and puts a centre half up front see if that's what you want up front if you want somebody big why have we not targeted one why have we brought a Yeti happy with Edward brilliant two different strikers why haven't we got that other guy that we can hit when sometimes that's what you need to do but we don't have it Stephen Fletcher didn't want no. him
0: Fine. Take the world round my mouth. Yeah, the, the spectre at the feast here is Stephen yeah. Fletcher, and I'm not saying he's the absolute answer, but I was watching that game thinking, we don't have a plan B. We absolutely don't have a plan B up front. Well, we don't even have a plan A because Edwin Edward was injured, of course. But we've got nothing in behind us. A Yeti. I understood not playing a Yeti from the start. A lot of people again were saying, but well, if he's a certain amount of fitness, then just put him on until he runs out of steam. But Jamie made a good point on there, actually on the Friday phone in on Patreon that was recorded. And I, and I totally agree. I said that it's it's really about the, the sharpness that comes along with that. If you put on a guy who's not fit, there's a fair chance that he won't be in the right positions that you expect him to be. It's not really just about being able to run and run and run until you can you can no longer run. If your fitness is lacking slightly, uh, that might play into your mental sharpness as well. There are many things at play. It's not really just about sticking a guy on until he runs out of steam. So I understood that. <laughs> but my point on uh, Stephen Fletcher there he's got to be a better option than Christopher Julian. And again, I say that slightly jokingly, I'm being slightly facetious because we didn't sign Stephen Fletcher, but we wasted time trying to get the guy when we potentially didn't really want him that much as well. We didn't want him enough to give him a two-year contract or or whatever it was he was asking for. So it, it seems like a bit of a, a wasted pursuit, that when really some other target could probably have been identified in that time. It wasn't, and what we were left with was Christopher Julian up front for albeit about 45 seconds or whatever it was, but still at the same time, I was just left kind of head in my hands thinking,
1: is that what we've got? Yeah, this is the problem again. We're looking at the, we've all seen the picture of the last five seasons, when you take out the loan signings, the permanent signings, oh, it's yeah. not good enough. There's so many players that we've signed permanently that make little to no impact. If we hadn't have signed Klamala and Sorrow in January, Wouldn't have made any difference to our team right now. No, none. Apart from having, what, five and a half million in the bank that we could spend elsewhere. Sorrow hasn't played a minute competitively. Klamala started once against Clyde and then wasn't even trusted to play in this game. What is going on here? You said it. Why are we littered with these two to three million pound players who are not good enough? that's Klamala, pretty much confirmed that he's not good enough because the manager won't even play him. That's yeah. an outrageous
0: outlay on a guy like that as well. I, I'm not, as as has been covered many times, and if you know regular listeners will will be aware, it's not something we tend to focus on, like the the values, the transfer values of people. But it's only when it's it's so obvious that he's not yeah. worth what he paid that like you give or take a million pound in a transfer value, I'm not I'm not really bothered. But it's only when you it's when you pay three point whatever what it was million for Klamala and Bolingoli, and you just think we've been completely fleeced here. 'Cause these guys are <laughs> these guys are not, not worth that. And I know what we think of as a three million pound player is no longer a three million pound player no. because of what's happened to football. They're probably one million pound players, but they've just inflation has taken care of that. But even still, it's still a massive outlay for a club like Celtic to just spend on a guy who is never gonna have any impact at Celtic at all. And he might score the odd goal, Clement, might. Yeah. But so did Amido Balde, so did Bayo. And, you know, all everyone to an extent is capable of scoring the odd goal for Celtic. But as far as being trusted to make any kind of impact, and yes, it was a crucial game, but it's not it's not a big game in terms of the opposition. It's a big game in terms of what it means to the club going forward. And you you, know, you must qualify. You must qualify yeah. in a one-off game at home against Ferenc Varos. But if you're not trusted to play in that, you're not going to be trusted to play against Rangers. You can forget that. He's never going to play against Rangers. So if we've got a guy here who's not going to play against Rangers don't sign him because that that's not of any use to Celtic at all. We've got plenty of players who can play against Hamilton Ackeys and, and yeah. Motherwell and stuff like that. In fact, he wasn't even fancied against Motherwell either. I'll have to take that back. But you can just that, go and sign is, somebody
1: for the league, can't we?
0: Aye, aye, you could. And, you know, as much as people might joke about saying, like, go out and sign Eamon Brophy, he's not good enough either, but he can definitely play in the SPFL. And aye. if anyone, just in case anyone's in any doubt, I do not want to sign Eamon Brophy. <laughs> I just, I'm just illustrating the point that if Kilmarnock were going to play against Motherwell, they would probably pick a striker. They would probably have a striker good enough to play
1: against them, but we don't. Kilmarnock yeah. was no fancy against them. Yeah, it goes back to the same thing we say every season. You get what you pay for. Hmm. And we don't. We're told every season, or oh, January's a big window for us. It gets his players in to let them get bedded in for the Europa League uh, for the Champions League qualifiers. Well, we brought two players in in January and neither of them claim on in the qualifiers. No. So. Where is the thinking? Where's the strategy? What is Celtic's idea here to be ready for the Champions League? Because it doesn't look like we have one. We're going into it unprepared again. One injury away from crisis in multiple positions. I mean, look at us last season and this season. If we get an injury... We're moving a player out of position. We're playing near on season after season as a centre back. Yeah. He's fine there, but he wasn't a centre half. We had to make Johnny Hayes a left back last season because the two we had brought in weren't good enough. How how are we so bad at recruitment here? Like that, the, somebody's job is to recruit recruit players and find players that are good enough and do the due diligence on them to say, "Well, I have looked at everything." in this guy and I think he's good because the two ways Celtic make money is by getting into the Champions League and by selling players but we're shooting ourselves in the foot with both because we're bringing in substandard players that aren't good enough to get us into the Champions League meaning we can't get as much money for them because they're not playing the Champions League they're not showing their potential and what they can do and the good players we do have want to leave look at that double treble season winning squad that was a good squad, and yeah. we chipped away at quality, said it at the time, and we've never replaced it. James Forrest, Cal McGregor, Scott Brown, Kieran Tierney, playing 50 to 60 games a season because there's literally nobody that can take their place. That is criminal. Kieran Tierney was on open goal talking about having to take painkilling injections to mm. play in the SPFL. It wasn't that desperate. Why, have we, why are we a big club with a big squad? and we don't have adequate players to cover. The recruitment thing, we
0: were fond of blaming... Brendan Rodgers, for, for a whole season probably, after he did what he did and, and walked out of the club, we could basically pin as many tails on that donkey as we, as we could yeah. as we fancied, really, we could just go as Brendan Rodgers' fault, Brendan Rodgers and or Lee Congerton's fault, anything that happened that's probably his fault, Dembele left, barely down tools, Brendan Rodgers' fault it, it's it's Too much to us, evidence so.
1: to contradict that now with everything yeah, well,
0: else well, That's it, but we can't have that now, we don't have that safety net, we can't blame Lee Congerton for these signings, can't blame him for Clamala presumably, unless he identified them ages ago and then Celtics somehow confirmed the, the transfer so after they'd gone I, I basically don't believe that happened so we kind of keep turning the, the gun on those guys because they're long long gone now and we kind of really... see
1: the under Rodgers in the qualifiers like uh, every team we've been put out by I feel they're well coached and they've got a plan whereas us on Wednesday night we didn't look well coached or like we yeah. had a plan Brendan Rodgers, for all his faults in the last season, everything came to a head at that Champions League qualifier when we came out. We got put out by AK Dembele, Boyata, missing out on John McGinn, all that sort of stuff. Rodgers wanting to go to China, but seeing the previous two seasons, we patched a team together and they got through it because they knew what the plan was. They were well coached every day, even though we had centre, half, um, centre mids playing at centre half, Iron Beaton playing in there, O'Connell and Colo Toure, Ambrose. But we got through them because the players knew what they were doing. They did not look like they knew what they were doing on Wednesday night. It was all over the place.
0: See on the coaching thing. right? I'm going to ask you a difficult question here. Yes. Not in terms of, not just not like a brain buster, I just mean it might be difficult for you for us all to process. See if you switch the managers the other night. Did we go through? Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. I, we would have. Because yeah. I, I looked at what happened here, right? He's obviously managing a, a club with a, a vastly inferior budget to, to Celtic. But it's even basic things such as, you know, Al Hamid is tiring, tiring and tiring, and he just sticks some fast players up there to outrun him. That, I mean, that is as basic as it comes, but Celtic so didn't do anything like that. We didn't no. do, didn't make any adjustments whatsoever that I thought, well, here we go. This is, this is going to influence the outcome of this game. But he just did that. Very, very simple change. Stuck some fast players on our ailing, injury-prone throwback, and all of a sudden a, a goal comes from it. We need to talk about that, of course, as well, because... Oh. I feel like I've now gotten to the point where I can't talk about El Hamid because I just jinxed the guy every single time I spoke <laughs> last season about how injury prone he was. And then the, the game immediately after that, his leg just exploded. Was it against Lazio? I think it was yeah. actually. He's, he's, he got a terrible injury. I've been talk, I've been singing his praises now for weeks about El Hamid. Since he came back into the team, I was like, oh, he's one of my favourite Celtic players. I think he's absolutely brilliant. Then he goes and turns that in just in the, the game afterwards. Incredibly basic stuff. It was just a punt completely gets himself caught out of the, the long ball gets in the wrong position and then is is outrun the thing about this is and we and Jamie and I talked about this in the Friday phone in as well we often give Christopher Ayer a hard time for going to ground when it's unnecessary because I think his decision making is at times poor and I think he gets it into his head, well, this is what a defender would do. This is what, yeah. a, like a heroic, one of the, the best defenders in the world, what he would do is he would slide in and make this big heroic tackle. Going to ground isn't bad in itself. The thing about that chance was the the ball was there. The ball was there no, to he had it. Cl- he had it. clean he as a whistle. Ball. Clean as a whistle. Even Yeah, he got that little touch on it, but it's right in front of him. I, I think there was very little risk if he had just gone in and hooked that ball away cleanly it's very, very little risk of him giving away a penalty or anything like that. I think he just he just hesitated and didn't have this pace to make up for it.
1: Yeah, that that was one where it's just, as you said about match fitness, maybe that was just psychologically, he was tired and he doubted himself, he'd already been booked. But again, we've got a great right-back sitting on the bench who, when we need a goal, who when we need somebody to beat a man and get a crossing, get a cutback, put him on. Because Forrest being out wide... It wasn't working. He was terrible. He was an absolute yeah. passenger for us. He was shocking. There was a few of them in there. There a lot of individual performances that weren't good. Neil Lennon came out and singled out certain players. Well, not certain players, he singled it. He just threw everybody under the bus because I've seen basically every team member as one of the ones that wants to leave. Yeah. So the way we had it, we had it there. We had the players to beat them, but again, we didn't do it. And it's just a failure from top to bottom for Celtic again. I keep saying it. They weren't a good team. The goal, the, the first goal they got was from a mistake from a corner. from our, The second goal was a punt up the pitch and a guy just outpaces somebody. It, it's simple goals we lose and it's it's every time. Cluj, did they rip us apart? No. Copenhagen, did they rip us apart? No, they just went right through the middle of us. These aren't teams that are absolutely shredding us and you're coming away from it thinking, do you know what? They were a good team. They would, they'll no. go on and do well. No. Város will struggle to qualify for the Champions League. If anyone is picking up any
0: background noise coming into my mic, by the way, it is my chair. I'm not oh, that, that upset. I'm chest. not. <laughs> I'm, I'm not that upset that I'm losing control of my system. To, to make matters worse, to add insult to injury, Város actually had a striker who looked an awful lot like Wayne Lineker, <laughs> the internet's Wayne Lineker, uh, a pest in penalty boxes and. <laughs> um, I'm not going to finish that sentence because nope. of libel, so I'll just I'll leave that up to the imagination of the listeners. He spoke there about the players uh, who were alleged to be wanting out, and my immediate reaction to that was that he's kind of painting himself into a corner a wee bit here, Neil Lennon, because unless there are shock swoops during the week, this is the team he's going to have to put out against Motherwell. Yeah. So where does that leave us if he is? Pinpointing the fact that players won out as a factor in having just lost that game, how can he possibly put his faith in the same players again? And sure enough, he did. It was the exact same lineup. Now I know he slightly walked it back a wee bit uh, during the week, but at the same time, he has left this this hanging over the place. Now it, it shouldn't have had the focus it did because no. I, I've said that a couple of times now. Let's like, see if players want to leave. See if they feel they're ready to step up to the next the next level. Go and test themselves somewhere. Right, that's absolutely fine. I think in certain. Situations that can probably be healthy for a club if players are, are doing so well that they feel right. Do you know what? I'm I'm probably ready to move on. You've probably at all times get players who have got their eye on the next move, but it doesn't derail the season. we've no. always get players who are, you know, essentially too good for Scotland. For certainly for the last few years, we've had Kieran Tierney who was too good for Scotland, instead of You know, the the list goes on. It doesn't really seem to have all that negative an effect. But in Neil Lennon bringing this up it has left this kind of dark cloud hanging over the place. And now we're all we're all pointing fingers. We're all kind of like, well, well who's the rat? Who's who's the guy that's letting the side down? And as you said, it seems to be everybody. It seems to be, there isn't a player out there who hasn't been named in the, the want away
1: Celtic squad. Yeah, the the one who let Celtic down was Neil Lennon, I think there, because I think he got his tactics wrong. Yeah, the players weren't great. I love Neil Lennon, but this is how many times have we seen him get it wrong in big games mm. and it's not just oh maybe he should have done this he's playing players in weird positions his subs are weird it was just <laughs> all over the place but when he does that Neil Lennon one of his strengths as a manager is his loyalties, players and his players want to play for him but he came out and just done a Gerrard and flung them under the bus if Rangers yeah, lost yeah. and Gerard done that we'd be on speaking about it here laughing I at him myself, but he, he's left it so he's left it speculation rife about everyone that result was a disaster an absolute disaster you come out you take it on the chin you say i should have done better the players should have done better we'll refocus but he tried to deflect the blame onto the players now hmm. the players we can all guess at the ones that want to go because it's pretty obvious that these guys want to go on and build on their career that's fine but now you've flung absolutely everybody under the bus, right. and there's speculation about everything. Like Carimoko, them one of them, Julian's, <laughs> one of them. It, it's got it's got very messy when it was a bad situation made worse by what he said, and having to walk it back like he did, uh, coming up to the Motherwell game, going with the exact same team that like, we're all doubting players now. We're all doubting players. Is it him? Is it him? But some of the players mentioned like it's meant to be Christie, it's meant to be in Cham. I thought they were two of the better players on the night. Yeah. I thought I apart from not getting out quick enough at the start for the, the first goal, I thought he was good the whole game. He was trying to break through. He didn't look out... None of them looked like they were given any less. But they, some of them might not have played well. So, what is this? And yeah. then see if those guys aren't maybe given 100%. Well, you've been here for free transfer windows now you've brought in players who could play instead of them but you've brought in substandard players who you don't trust so you're putting your trust in guys who you also don't trust so where, where's the balance?
0: Yeah you make a good point because it's the players that would be bottom of the list to be linked away that were the worst culprits on the night, yeah. it was Forrest, Scott Brown Greg Taylor. Taylor's not going anywhere, El Hamid's not going anywhere either, these are the guys who don't really mean to single them out because the very few pass marks to give out, if any. But those guys were, you know, outstanding for all the wrong reasons in that game. So, uh, yeah right. I I totally agree. I don't really see what it achieved. I think it was unnecessary, and it seemed to yeah. just be blown off steam after the game. And I, I think we all, hindsight, I think he would probably regret having said it, which is why he, he sort of softened his position yeah. on it a wee bit. But ultimately, he did say it, and he left. He left a bad taste in the mouth when it came to the Motherwell team because the team was announced and everyone immediately was like, oh, this is ridiculous. He's at it. Celtic are at it. I've picked the exact same team again. No strikers. And, you know, quite rightly or wrongly, people were pretty upset about it. Celtic got the result in the end and and as we we maybe teed up a wee bit earlier, the second half was much better, much, much better from Celtic and there were a few factors in that, most notably changing the, the system up a wee bit. But the first half, I started to get feelings about remember it was was the last year immediately after Clues who played them firmly and it oh, was an absolute dinker of, worst. One of, the of the a performance worst. I started to get vibes of that where I thought we can't afford this, we cannot afford to drop more points here I didn't think, well I didn't think he would it would drop points but I, I thought oh, the pressure's on here, the pressure's on here, there was a lot of people very very upset and for good reason, we still are but anyone who's listened to the last however many minutes we've been talking knows that you Know after several days on, now we are still pretty pissed off at the French Vanner's thing. But we can't have a substandard performance coming in after that because the pressure's on, and people are whether it's hyperbole, whether it's over the top or not, people are calling for, for his job. Yeah,
1: I don't think he should be sacked. It's one of those things where, but again, it's just the pattern of it. And when you've seen the lineup, he had to sort of do that lineup, it was mm. stubborn. I don't think he should have done it because it was clear that the striker thing didn't work. And again, in the first half, even though we got the goal, we we're missing that focal point up front again. But Motherwell, it was easy for them to defend with a back three against no striker. But the fact that he said Clamala wasn't fit enough meant he couldn't start Klamala up front because <laughs> yes. he'd said, What difference did a couple of days make to his match fitness? But he brought Clamalla on at half time. So Clamalla was fit enough to play a full half because he's not going to take Kamal off after he's put him back on. So he was fit enough to play a first half against Ferenc Vakosh, was wasn't he? And then you can bring yeah. on a Yeti. But in the Motherwell game, it was, again, the shape was all over the place for me. I was shocked. I was listening to a podcast recently and they made a point on it that you don't rise to the occasion, you descend to your level of training. And I thought mm, right. that's, that's. I heard that after the game. I thought that's right for Celtic because we didn't look like we had preparation. We didn't look like we knew what we were doing. The keys and again in the Motherwell game, El Hamid sat like Lustig used to sit and formed a back three with Julian and Iya. That's fine, but when you have no striker, you need. As I said, Christie's there, Forrest and El Siri to be right beside him like Pedro and. David Villa or Pedro and Alexis Sanchez were yeah. for Barcelona making those runs, interchanging but then to have James Forrest as the wide right, leaves a big gap in there, there's nobody making those runs to create the space for Incham and and It's it was just a mess and Greg Taylor getting up the line the guy can't cross the ball I think he's a fine in a back four but as an attacking fullback he's not good enough And it was just all over the place again. Look, we got the goal and it was a a great goal. Callum McGregor just showing how pivotal he is for the team, even after being disappointed during the week. But that was a good goal. Gives it to Forrest. I thought Forrest shouldn't be in the team, but there's nobody nobody else to play. So he's in there. He's not in there on merit, but absolutely smashing finish. I thought he looked a bit... He didn't look confident getting it, but the guy stood off him, so it allowed him to get the shot, and it was an absolutely tremendous finish. Great play from McGregor as well, and the re- the relief on Forrest's face. I thought, oh, oh he needed that, didn't he? Yeah, yeah he'll he kick did. on now. He didn't, apart from mm. the goal. I did not think he was disappointing in the game. But my thing with the goal is that was a sort of breakaway, not quite a counter attack, but that was a bit of play from McGregor and gets it to Forrest quickly. But see the amount of times we had the ball on the edge of the box and worked it across. We never created one opportunity from that. And that's because you've got two number 10s and two wide players. Where's the guys yeah. making the runs off? Where's the guys? Motherwell's back three, don't have a striker to mark. So they can, and their midfielders then drop in. It's easy for them to pick up. It was lunacy from Celtic again.
0: See, when we talk about the finished the Farros game and Ryan Christie scored, but not from the position he was playing. So he, he scored from more of a number 10 Position yeah. rather than the striker. I felt I felt this very similar was this the case with James Forrest in the second half because I thought he was actually actually all right and and got involved in a couple of things. He, he had a couple of decent chances cutting inside and he hit the bar with one as well. But this is when he's playing left wing back and really not doing the job of a, of a left wing back. Yeah. He's drifting well inside. He effectively on his was, stronger foot. Yeah, he was coming in on his stronger foot and he was basically taking up the position of not not so much maybe. number 10 but of like an inverted winger when really a left wing back should be all about gaining width that that Greg Taylor wasn't offering so so yeah these things were good but uh, I hesitated to use the word but they're almost accidentally good if you know what I mean they're they're, they're almost sort of byproducts of something else rather than being a, a cohesive plan but having said that I mean Celtic they, they got the job done here. The, as I said, the second half was completely different from yeah. the first half, although I thought the first half was dreadful. Aieti comes on, gets a, gets another goal. You can see the, the total difference when it comes to him and Klamala because when Klamala gets the ball, you don't believe for a single second he's going to score, whereas yeti no. has had two chances as a Celtic player and just smashed them both I, home. No factually. hesitation. He just rattles the ball into the, the net both times. Klamala had that chance where he was clean through one-on-one he never looked for a single second like he was going to score. Zero confidence whatsoever. I'm less concerned about the total sitter he missed from the goal line, basically, because I think it came to him at a kind of funny angle. It came off the keeper and basically just bobbled away. The only criticism I would level up in there was he was a wee bit flat-footed, didn't really seem like he was expecting it and didn't really have the alertness about him to put it in. But even still, I think think he was just unlucky, if I'm totally honest.
1: Yeah, I think we've... Gave everybody a bit of a stick tonight, but I think for the second half at Motherwell game, Neil Enning deserves credit because he didn't yeah. wait till the 60th or 70th minute. He made the substitution at half time. Well, I was saying I'm about to give him credit. I think it was a wee bit harsh Elianoussi going off. I don't think Elianoussi did, really, yeah. Yeah, did enough to say, look, keep me on. But at the same time, I don't think he was any worse than anybody so else. I think if I'm looking at it, you're going into this Motherwell game, Probably lucky there was no fans at that game because that could have been a bit of a toxic... It would have oh, been okay. a toxic atmosphere. <laughs> and the longer it went on, we didn't get the goal, it could have got worse. But and then into the second half, when it's only 1-0, you, you could always be worried that one chance for Motherwell. But mm. I felt if you're going to, if we need another goal to seal this game, I like having guys that are a threat on the pitch. And again, take Nell, you know, maybe a mistake, on, I think, but we got the job done. But as soon as we'd done that and we went 3-5-2 it was much better. I don't yeah, know if it was absolutely. quite 3-5-2, but it looked to me like it was Christie just playing off Klamala, and Klamala was doing what we wanted, making those runs, and we've seen it straight away. Christy dropped deep, whipped in a deep cross, and Klamala doesn't get in the end of it, but it meant Christie dropped deep, bringing a defender out, and Klamala went long, dragging yeah, defenders back, and it, yeah. it, it created a chance, and we've seen it all the time. Last season, when we went to 3-5-2, we just created more chances because with more bodies in there. Edward had somebody up with him. But, again, why couldn't we go 3 5 during the week? Because we didn't have the personnel because we haven't recruited it. It's mental. But this Motherwell game, we get the second goal. Ayeti, it's a good goal, good pass from Ayer. And that's that's it Me Ayete. I've been watching players come to Celtic for long enough to know if quite early on he's got something. He's got something. Once we get him fit, he'll probably be a good footballer. But with Klamala, I said it yesterday, he just looks like a, an athlete on the pitch rather than a, a footballer on the pitch. Yeah, he's yeah. an athlete on a football pitch rather than a footballer on a football pitch. It just doesn't look good enough. But it's insane that he's no great, but he made a difference because he was making those runs and it was giving yeah, them something the to thing. think about. Exact same lineup, as I said. And
0: oh. as part of that comes. Brown <laughs> well, talk. The unpleasantly named the Brown section of, <laughs> of the podcast. <laughs> what an image. But, I um, thought we settled what? on Brown Talk. Brown Talk, right, okay. A Brown Town? Aye, brown Talk, Brown Town, wherever we are with it. The, the, the thing is, the reason I bring it up is because, yeah, it was the same lineup again. And it meant that Scott Brown played 90 minutes three times in eight days um, as a 35 year old midfielder. And I think that is bordering on. Negligence at this point from Celtic, whether it's a combination of Scott Brown and Neil Lennon or or whoever is deciding to persevere with us, I don't know. But I just think this is crazy. Now we could end up now we're breaking records for playing like 35 year olds constantly. <laughs> there, there can't be many teams out there who are still playing a 35 year old midfielder every single minute of every single game. We came off against Reykjavik after an hour, which which was fine, but. His performances in this these games, again, I didn't think there was anything inherently wrong with what he was doing on the ball. But my my main issue is that he has now been sailed past at will by players much, much younger than him. And yeah. Much more energetic and much more, you know, not athletic, but much more agile and faster than him. And again, it's a point I made a couple of weeks ago. I just said, look, he's, he's out there playing against guys who can be upwards of 15 years younger than him. You're never going to outpace a guy like that, it's just not possible for a, for a guy like Scott Brown. There was a moment against Motherwell where it was, I mean even the, the amazingly named Bevis Mugabe burst yeah, forward, skinned him, him and then and just strolled past him and Brown eventually brought him down because it was a foul he had to make. And in, in the end it was like a kind of professional foul as they made away from him. What, what are your
1: thoughts? I, I know you're, you're straining at your leash there to talk about the, the above this is this is my problem i thought again scott brown could have been the guy to go off because i really I, I, every week we can just repeat what we're saying from last <laughs> week but <laughs> i'll, I'll make a jingle <laughs> now, this is now this repeat from last week and then we're talking about champions repeat from every season but this is what six games into the season he hasn't had a good one yet no no and i know people say i oh, didn't do much wrong that's fine, but is that enough to be in the Celtic team in like, mm. games that we need to win? Scott Brown has been tremendous, a great servant. It shouldn't no be happening no like this. Three games in eight days is unacceptable. We bought in Kuasey years ago with a view to sort of playing this guy to be the long term replacement. It's not happened. Kuasi wasn't good enough, but there's nobody there to replace him. No, and it's it's mental. It's not as if he's like militia man and we put him in cold storage over the summer and then he comes out like John yeah. Spartan again one for the kids there <laughs> as well reference, as uh, say. Great, great teenagers but, reference uh, it. the guy is getting older and his influence on games is it's not there anymore for me no. I love Scott Brown should be captain until he retires and he should be put straight onto the coaching team when he does retire because yeah. you can't buy what he brings leadership wise but in football in terms I'll ask you what kind of player is Scott Brown? For me, he was a box-to-box box midfielder. That changed mm. and he became a guy that sort of started the attacks. But now, he can't break up plays. Like, Kante's the best in the world at it. And I'm not comparing him to Scott Brown, but that's what you want from somebody to break up attacks. Yeah. He's not got the pace or the, the legs anymore to do that. He's not like a deep-lying playmaker that starts off attacks because Callum McGregor can do that and is better than him. He's not a... Sitting midfielder that just dictates everything and breaks up. What is Scott Brown as a midfielder now to you?
0: To, to be honest, I don't. I don't really know. Um, the what I said last week was that he seems to be a guy on the pitch searching out a function rather mm-hmm. than him being of of a full influence of the game, which he, he could. It was more than capable of up until you know maybe maybe last season he, he started to dip off in a, a little bit of that. The, he was absolutely crucial up until about last season. I would say. But what I get from him this season is that he, he seems to be on the pitch, trying to be involved rather than anything flowing through him. My main image of Scott Brown this season now is of him chasing people, chasing back towards his own box with people who have either burst past him and he's not been quick enough to to turn with them or get in front of them or or head them off. And that's that's really what I picture when, when Scott Brown's on the pitch. Now again, he can he can take the ball, he can move it on. Quite a bit, but when he's not doing that, the breaking up of play, as you say, there's very little reason for him to be there. And yeah. again, we can we can cut it all in here. but No one has been more effusive in praise of Scott Brown than, than us on here, especially you, Melly. You've, you've always advocated for him as well. But there comes a time where you need to concern yourself with what he's actually bringing to the team.
1: It can it's have uses. Just, in, sorry, it's not just what he's bringing to the team. It's what he's taking away from other players for me now yeah. as well. Like Callum McGregor is our best player. Everything should go through him. He should dictate play, but he's got Scott Brown there shackling him. Olivier and Cham I think, is a great player, but he's not a number 10. He's better, deeper for me, but yeah. he can't play there because Scott Brown's there. Elianousi is a good player, but, but taking off because we can't take off Scott Brown. It's just, it seems to be the ideal substitution for me at half time was take off Scott Brown, Leave it, go 3 5 three, five, two, and then you can play Christie number 10, McGregor and Sham in midfield, Elianussi up front with Klamala and Forrest and Taylor down the wings, that's fine, that's dynamic that's going to move the ball about, make things happen, ultimately we did get the win but again I'm looking at the guy at the end of the game going what, what did you contribute and mm, yeah. I, I don't want it to get like this with Scott Brown where people are crying out from it, with be taken out of the team it gets to the point where you're people don't like Scott Brown because he doesn't deserve that. He doesn't deserve... This isn't the way it should be and it's not the way it has to be because we've got midfielders. It's the one position we've maybe got options. He doesn't have to play. 35 years old. As you've said time and time again, name another massive supposed European team that plays a guy in such a pivotal position all the time. It doesn't happen. There's bound to be something, but it's going to be some outlier
0: like Luka Modric or something like that, who's a completely different player, who's not yeah. so reliant on your know, physical
1: attributes and, and influence and things like that. That goes but, back to my point as well. You know exactly what Luka Modric does. He dictates play. Scott yeah. Brown doesn't. I don't know what he's doing anymore. We've already spoken tonight about how Subtle changes in personnel,
0: even if it's not the greatest player in the world, in Klamala, even his presence on the pitch changed Celtic's approach, changed the the dimensions through which Celtic could actually uh, yeah. play the game. I, I would be fairly confident in predicting that if Scott Brown came out of the team, the entire team would be much much faster, much more dynamic, and yeah, is more fluid. Scott Brown's phone. fault is it. No, it's, it's not his fault. Again, the, the old caveat here going in here, because I know people will be listening to this and saying, oh, there they are having a go at Scott Brown again. But that's, that really is not the intention. No. And I really hope that that's not what's coming across here. We're not blaming him for being 35 years old. That's that's just a, a, a fact of life. He's had a long, long, incredible career. But see, the first time he plays well, people are going to be like, obviously jump on us and say, well, there you go. But the problem is that, that the chances of that are lessening it every week because he is undoubtedly at the age where his career is almost over. That That's just a fact. I don't want to, I, we're joking about it. We're saying, well, right, we've got the segment where we're talking about how how bad Brown was. Well, we're obviously only joking about that. We don't really want to be talking about this, but it can't go on. To the point where he's playing every single minute of every single game throughout a season at his age and his diminishing agility, it it just can't go on. We've got a break now, so I fully expect him to, he won't be involved in international football obviously, so I fully expect him to start the next game. No issues with that whatsoever, but when you're playing three games in eight days, it it starts to edge towards just unjustifiable length of time he's playing now.
1: This is the last thing on it because we'll move on because I don't want to be doing this every week. But I just don't want to get to the point where maybe it's a game against Rangers or he does something that it really is a mistake from him that costs us a game yeah. because that's not fair because he's not he can't do it anymore. It's just not fair. But I was going to ask you, see, as we went to three five two in the second half, it was much better. We looked, we created so many more chances. We were so much better what do you think going forward do we go with that now I know it's difficult because we've maybe not got the personnel we're really lacking down the left hand side but I think it just makes the whole team better if we have the two up front
0: now I think so and I think we can play a lot better like that in domestic football anyway I wouldn't wouldn't fancy it too much in Europe if you got to a group stage I wouldn't be advocating too strongly for a 3-5-2 I don't think that would be a prudent move but at home and and it goes into the Brown thing as well. We we can't really be playing a back three and Scott Brown standing five yards away from them, just taking the ball off them. I think that's a, a waste of a jersey. If if I'm totally honest, I don't mean to sound harsh there, but I, I I like I like it on paper because a guy we've we've not even really had the chance to talk about. Frimpong came on in this yeah. game in the Mother World game, huge impact yet again, an enormous impact off the bench. Came on just started beating players, getting any very very dangerous positions. So I'd I like the idea of getting him into the team as much as as much as we can. And I think right wing back might be his strongest position. That leaves you with issues over Forrest playing because Neil Lennon Not for me. No, not not for me either, but Neil Lennon will find it very difficult to drop James Forrest. I don't think that's how it should work, but he finds it very difficult to, to leave Forrest out of his teams because he's such a huge fan of him so I do I'm fully bought into the theory at least behind three five two
1: yeah, I think we need to now it's just this it personnel, I think when we mentioned out a- that the finish was emphatic, it just looks like yeah he's going to be a good player if he can get fit, but him and Edward could be a potential great partnership, maybe even better than Griffiths and Edward was last season. And um, as you say, Frimpong is just made for a right wing back. Yeah. If we can have the midfielder McGregor and Sham and Christie or McGregor Brown and Christie, it gets Ryan Christie into his best position and gives him two players to hit as well. It's just down that left hand side. I'm not happy with Forrest playing there. I, I can see why he was played there because Taylor was giving us nothing. But that's another one, Greg Taylor. It's another game where I'm like you're making it very hard for me to defend yeah, yeah. you now. So if we get in Duffy this week, it gives us at least options at the back to go a back three. We just need somebody down that left hand side, and I think going forward, maybe if it's maybe if we went a three a four three one two as well, that could work. But yeah. I just feel getting two up front is going to be essential because th- these two players are really good, and if Edwards fit again and and Yates fit. Two good goal scorers, man.
0: <laughs> Correct. And speaking of options, the conclusion of a long, long transfer saga, <laughs> saga. involving and David Turnbull finally came to an end during the week. There, we'll speak more about him after he's made his debut. We didn't get, uh, we didn't get a switch of him against Motherwell, and we'll we'll maybe have some some scouting stuff to be doing on him on Patreon in in the days and weeks to come. But just just to get your your overall thoughts on that transfer of this. It has been a long time in the making. It's not been much of a surprise that David Turnbull has eventually uh, arrived. It's unfortunate timing. I was trying to think of anyone who had came in as a signing under more of a cloud than he. He was just sort of snuck out. Oh, by the uh, way, we've signed David Turnbull when everybody was still raging about the Varos thing. It maybe well, only... Nakamura came in after <laughs> the five-nil up meter game, didn't he? That's right. Uh, Borich was already there but hadn't played yet, so there, there was. They came in under a bit of a. About a bit
1: of as well. I'm, I'm delighted with Turnbull because I think he, he will go on to be a good player from what I've seen of him in the first season. He broke through getting goals from midfield. He looks like a, a young, bright guy that will just energetic and gets the goals. Maybe a sort of Stuart Armstrong yeah. uh, mixture of him and Christie. So delighted with it. Terrible timing for the guy bringing him in. Uh, on Thursday, I was just like, eh alright, fine, why wasn't it done two weeks ago because no, he's yeah. played, I wanted to see more football from him but Celtic clearly wanted him the whole summer why is it taking until he's played five games, you could tell after two games really if the guy's up to yeah. scratch for me, so should have been done earlier but this is a long term signing, it's a long contract so this is what we want, you always say it. if players are going to get sold to England from other clubs it should be through the filter of Celtic, Yes, we should either Take these guys on and sell them on or they could be, they should be like Scott Brown or Carl McGregor, James Forrest, have a long career at Celtic. I know two of them came through the youth team but you know what I mean, having these guys long term as good players will always benefit the club, that's what you need, you need that Scottish core of players. So I'm delighted with it, I would have liked to have seen him get a couple of minutes against Motherwell but it wasn't a, a big deal for me.
0: No, and he's got plenty of time. Obviously, there's the there's the break now, so we have a chance to get acclimatized and all that, get get some training under his belt. I don't think, oh, I can't imagine he's involved in in international football, so a nice time to get him in, get him in and maybe bedded in for, for weeks to come. Elsewhere, the, another transfer saga. This has been not as long as the David Turnbull one, but every bit is tiring, every yeah. bit <laughs> every bit is exhausting. Uh, the the Duffy, the Shane Duffy to Celtic thing seems to have gathered pace. In the last 24 hours or so, uh, Stephen McGowan, who we all know is is the oracle, he's across most things when it comes to, all all things when it comes to Celtic rumours, so he has confirmed that it is at least a thing, it is at least happening, things are afoot when it comes to Shane Duffy, so again, we'll probably get more of a chance to talk about this when it's all confirmed and and so on, but it's looking... yeah, exactly. It's looking promising at the moment. So, like, really, again, same question: how you, how do you actually feel about that? You've already mentioned them a couple of times during the podcast. It's and so far, it was. It, I think overall, I think positive stuff. I think, um, yeah. but probably could have been done.
1: before. Yeah, now. what I've mentioned already. Good signing, but would have been a great signing two weeks ago, wouldn't it? Yeah, it's it's all too little, too late. But it's happened. We need to get on with it. We need to accept it. But again. It's a sort of short term signing. If it, I don't know if it's going to be permanent or loan quite yet. But mm. he's a he's a ready made player coming straight in. He'll not take. He shouldn't take any time to settle in. He's been playing in the Premier League, even though he's been playing for a team that aren't great. He still that's a high standard to be playing at week on week. So yeah. I'm happy with that. Come in and either take one of Julian and I's places or play alongside them and. He has experience, maybe more experience than Julian. He's played at major tournaments. He's played in a better league, yeah. so he'll be able to help the two through the, the game. But again, just just do it earlier, man. Just get it done earlier. <laughs> on, on Shane Duffy, I agree with everything
0: you've said there. I think some people maybe overlook or undervalue how tough it is to be a centre-half at a struggling team like Brighton over the course of a 38-game season. Now, we have players in our position who can go out and stand out uh, on a one or two off basis against the likes of Lazio or in that. But we don't have anyone who's tried over the course of hundreds of games at, at a higher level. And Shane Duffy represents that. He's not the most glamorous of names, but he has been in there against proper opposition for a long time. And I think you know t- to be a, at times, standout defender... As I said, for a struggling team, that there's something about you. In that case, this isn't like a young player, like a Masonda or something like that that we've taken a punt on. He's going to come up, and God knows what's going to happen. Shane Duffy is a pretty established player, as you've already listed all the reasons for that. Could yeah. Julian or Christopher Iyer go down? Could the swap places? Could Iyer play for Brighton over again over the course of 38 games and keep them in the league? No, single-handedly, but play a part and keep in keeping the league and all that. I have my doubts. He might develop into a a player who could possibly do that. But my my main point is that he's been around the block a few times, Shane Duffy. I don't think he's going to be daunted by coming up here and playing against, you know, Christian Doidge and Kimar Ruth and and the likes of that.
1: he, He won't. And look, it's something we've been crying out for, somebody to come in and be physical. And it sounds like he's a Celtic fan, he really wants to come. We just we just need them to be that hun smashing fiend we're <laughs> crying out for, don't we? A big ugly centre half. That's exactly
0: what we need. We need a big old fashioned, big ugly brute of a centre half to complement the 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 saf touches we've got in, in there already. Melly, we've right, done Stephen, it again. Endless rudderless <laughs> this rudderless flagship. <laughs> you think about it, we've done it again. The long term listeners will have noticed that whenever Jamie's not here to keep us in check to keep the Keep the rants and the monologues down to a minimum. Melly and I somehow defy logic and turn a podcast with three people on it into an even longer podcast with just two voices, which defies all science. I don't know how we managed to do it, but I think we've done it again on this occasion. So sorry about that. But we did have to get a lot of things off our chest. And maybe the pattern is here that Jamie
1: always ducks out of the bad results.
0: Maybe that's the the problem. Mm.
1: We end up ranting and ranting and ranting. Maybe he's saving face here. That player you always hear about, you don't realise what he gives you until he's not there, and that's that's what's happening tonight. <laughs> yeah, isn't it? That's exactly it. We are an incoherent mess
0: without our without our captain, without our rudder. Anyway, we have been running a competition for the last few weeks. What we ask you to do is to give us a five star review on either iTunes or Apple Podcasts, as it's now known, or on Podcast Addict if you are a an Android user. Five stars. Drop us a wee funny. Review, whatever the case may be, try and catch our eye and we will send you out a gold 20 minute Tim's pin badge to our favourites. Immediate standout here is Sean Holland 67. Great podcast, the best Celtic podcast about, if not only for Stephen's incessant quoting of the office in a Celtic context, at Sean, Sean Holland 67. He's charmed me there. <laughs> also, I stand out as well. This guy deserves oh, it because... Jamie's not here. To he's not. I'm gonna, you're I'm flinging gonna be about badges. For, and do you know what? See, when I sit down to actually do the admin on this, I might even send out more, depending on how <laughs> I feel at the time. So even if I don't mention you, I might just send you one anyway. Uh, there's another one who definitely deserves it because he has left us not only a five-star review on iTunes, he's also gone over to Podcast Addict and done the exact same. He's just copied and pasted, essentially, essentially giving us two reviews. And it is Bingy Boy with... Me and my old boss love listening to this podcast. We'd rate it a 9, not a 10, not a 9, not a 10, not a good 9, not an excellent 10. Can we know just agree 9.5? Much love, big badge on, and wee gaudy. he we definitely <laughs> deserves it for that one as well. Thanks, Keep them right? coming, folks. We'll Every week we'll pick our favourite of the of the reviews and we'll send you a wee gold badge to, to say thank you. And that's about it, Mercifully, we have come to the end of this bumper episode of the podcast. Thank you to everyone for, for listening. Um, and thank you to everyone who supports us over on patreon.com slash 20 Minute We where in exchange for a little bit of support for the podcast, you can access all manner of extra Celtic content and features. This week, uh, we will have an exclusive interview with a top super agent, Melly. I'm excited to get this yes. one out. Raymond Sparks will be joining us on the podcast to give us the lowdown on being an agent about greedy pop-up agents ruining the game, about pushy parents, about Kieran Tierney, his former client, of course, much, much more. He's Sparks spoke. will fly, Stephen. Sparks <laughs> will fly. I like it. So that will be with you very soon. Elsewhere, we're going to have Lost Os Tonies, which is the most exciting Celtic-adjacent European football podcast in the game, a podcast where two football daft guys named Tony, have a look at European or, in fact, world clubs who they feel share some trait in common with our beloved Celtic. And this time it is Italian club Livorno. So keep an eye out for that. Dropping very, very soon. That's about it. It remains just to be said. Yeah. (laughs) Again, thank you to everyone for allowing us to vent our vent our nonsense on this podcast to let off a little bit of steam we hope it wasn't too morose we hope we haven't just made you feel even bad even worse about a result that is now in our past and you had started to move on Melly would you like to sign off in some profound manner cheers for your ears folks, I hope they're not (laughs) bleeding by now (laughs) same here thank you folks and we'll see you next week